Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This portion of Grassroots Marketing on location on Cannabis Radio is presented by Norick Risk. Creating unique insurance solutions for the hemp and cannabis industry is a passion of Norick Risk. Rooted in over 100 years' experience, placing custom, extra-large insurance programs worldwide. Learn more at N-O-R-I-C-K-Risk.com. CannabisRadio.com presents Grassroots Marketing on Location. Featuring exclusive one-on-one interviews with those impacting and evolving the cannabis industry. Now, let's go on location to the 2016 NCIA Cannabis Business Summit in Oakland, California. Welcome back, everyone. Radical Russ here live in Oakland. And joining us here at the desk, we've got Charles Smith from the law offices of Charles Smith. Welcome to the show, Charles. Thanks for having me, Russ. It's great to be here. There's so much going on. It used to be when I'd interview lawyers uh, having to do with marijuana, it was criminal defense. But there's so much more going on now. What is your firm specializing in when it comes to marijuana? Well, it's funny you say that, Russ, because I uh, am formerly a uh, criminal defense attorney uh, in New York. Well, not formally. I still have a a small practice, but I've shifted most of my uh, practice to... uh, Mostly cannabis licensing and uh, compliance, which I, I work with businesses in the regulated market in Massachusetts, hoping to enter the medical market, and I really just guide them through uh, the licensing process there. So. Give us an idea how difficult this is to navigate in Massachusetts. I understand there's a limited number of licensees and a whole lot of requirements. There are certainly uh, a limited number of licensees. There are, uh, you know, the application process is extensive. It's about 24 weeks of review from the Department of Public Health, and then they're uh, asking for uh, information to revise those applications. The They certainly have uh, streamlined the application process since the uh, initial application process after the law passed in uh, 2012, and then you have the uh, six operating dispensaries that were a result of that initial application process. So they have, they've streamlined the process in an effort to uh, facilitate more licensing, and I, I think it's uh, been working out pretty well. Obviously, these businesses, uh, they have you know sometimes as long as two-year runways, so we don't really know uh, what will happen when the marketplace develops, but I, I think that uh, we're optimistic about it, and uh, we're uh, hopefully going to be on the uh, ballot. Uh, I think we're pretty sure in terms of our signature numbers that we're going to be on the ballot for uh, adult use in 2016, and uh, we're just hoping to kind of ride that wave of uh, cannabis enthusiasm and 
in November. It would be a trifecta for Massachusetts, 2008 decrim, 2012 medical, or was it, I get those backwards. Was no, that, those are, that's that, correct. That was in that order? 20, 2016 adult use, it would be, that would be really great for communities in Massachusetts. A lot of the work that I do is uh, going in to talk to local communities and really convincing them that this is uh, going to make their community safer, that, uh, you know, prohibitionists and uh, advocates for the change of cannabis laws actually have the same goals. We want safer communities. Uh, we want less access for children. And I think as you see at events like the NCIA Cannabis Summit, as you start to, you know, talk to people about the actual arguments, and people take a real critical look at why cannabis laws have evolved in the fashion that they have, they have a very difficult time uh, refuting the, the kind of logical points, very simple logical points that, uh, you know, we talk about cannabis being safer than alcohol. And, and then uh, our opponents go run out and say, well, uh, you know, youth use is going to go up exponentially. And then we get the studies that show youth use does not go up. And <laughs> so uh, I think I had the uh, opportunity at the Aspen Legal Seminar, which I, I know you did, to uh, see Dr. Carl Hart speak. And right. just to talk about, let's make empirically based decisions. That's what the government talks about all the time, making empirically based decisions. So let's make empirically based decisions and develop sound cannabis policy. Yeah. So as this uh, system is rolled out in Massachusetts and uh, the, the licenses have gone out, some observers have, have criticized this on a couple of accounts. One, you know, high capital requirements keeping out uh, people of color, disadvantaged uh, communities, and another being that maybe there's some favoritism going on in the in the deal making and, and political patronage is paying off for some people. What would your response be to that? Well, uh, I, I certainly uh, hope that the industry can strive to be more inclusive, but the bottom line is it's an expensive business to operate, and the, uh, the Department of Public Health is only asking you to put uh, you know, $500,000 into uh, to show that you have $500,000 for the application. And if you don't have $500,000, you should not be applying for a license. This is a very, very capital-intensive business, especially at the beginning, and you're not generating any revenue. So right. if you don't have, uh, and, you know, I'm not going to venture to throw out any numbers, but uh, there's uh, lots of information out there that shows that, you know, you can spend uh, millions of dollars in this process. So I, I certainly recognize the, the criticism that the capital requirement is high and that, you know, that, that has a uh, potential disproportionate impact on uh, certain communities, and, and, and that's not something that uh, we want to encourage. We do have language in the initiative that, you know, seeks to, to be more inclusive. Uh, you have to be very careful what you, uh, what you put in uh, initiatives so that you're not requiring the government to do something that, you know, may violate other provisions of other laws and then sure. just create uh, more problems. And uh, to your point about favoritism, uh, this uh, business is political like anything else. So uh, there's all kinds of different politics like any other industry. So I, I see the criticism out there, <laughs> but I, uh, I guess this is a very politically correct answer. But I, I see Understood. the criticism out there, and 
I think ultimately what we're going to see in Massachusetts is a much much larger industry than uh, than people anticipated, at least in the the number of licenses. While they're yeah. while they're limited, they're certainly enough to have a, a robust market, and we're we're really hoping that we can apply actual market forces to the uh, marketplace, as we've seen in you know a place like Colorado that has uh, that has worked pretty well, whereas some other models that try to uh, impose these restrictions on the marketplace, uh, uh, in my opinion, haven't quite worked as well because this is, uh, you know, uh, economic activity. We should be trying to impose uh, as pure of market forces to it uh, as possible. That said, we have to regulate this. This is uh, a substance that has been in the Controlled Substances Act. It is, uh, has been, you know, marginalized. So, uh, we had a, a, the issue in Massachusetts. We had uh, the potential for competing ballot initiatives, and one of those ballot initiatives, while uh, I, I respect the uh, enthusiasm behind it, it sought to sell cannabis in uh, farmers' markets or in a much uh, looser uh, restriction. Well, unfortunately, if we're going to make the arguments like cannabis uh, regulation makes our community safer. That type of regulation uh, potentially uh, doesn't make the community safer, especially in the eyes of law enforcement who have a very conservative view. We're, we're taking hopefully not just baby steps, but we're, we're taking steps forward, but we have to uh, you know, recognize the other side's uh, concerns, especially if they are based in sound empirical policy. If they're not, then uh, you can recognize them and hopefully refute them. There's a couple of things that stand out to me in the uh, proposal that's uh, likely to make the ballot in Massachusetts. It's the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol there. And uh, one is the low taxation. There's very low taxation, lowest of any of the current states or anything else proposed. And two, and a few of the other initiatives are doing this, the idea of there being a mechanism for cannabis use lounges, place for people to be able to consume. Uh, how do you think that will differentiate Massachusetts from other markets, pro or con, and, and, and what other things do you see in the initiative that uh, you find to be favorable? I think uh, you pointed out uh, one of the key uh, parts of the initiative is the taxation rate. Uh, it, it's a balance uh, when you're writing these initiatives and determining what provisions to put in. And I, I think the low taxation rate is a, a mechanism to kind of shrink the underground market. If the tax is too high and the, the price is the underground in the underground market is still much less expensive than in the regulated market, well, yes, some actors are going to participate in the regulated market, but from what we've seen in the states that have regulated markets, the most actors will choose to just continue to operate in the underground market because it's cheaper, and that's not a good reason for them to be in the underground market. They should be operating in the regulated market because they want to know that they're medicine is safe in that there or or, the, or the, whatever they're putting in their body is safe and we know what how it's been grown and that's been grown using responsible practices and there aren't uh, substances in it that are harmful and and those are uh, in my mind the best reasons to operate in the or to participate in the the regulated market and to your your second point uh, about what things I see in in the initiative uh, I think there's uh, we obviously maintain uh, elements of uh, local control, but uh, so give local communities a, a say in the uh, the types of businesses that they're uh, 
going to allow in their municipality, and obviously they can uh, impose time, place, and manner restrictions like they can with any other businesses. And, and I, from what we've seen, uh, communities uh, have been receptive, at least on the uh, on the medical side. And the on-site consumption uh, lounges are something that, as you mentioned, has not really been tried in uh, or in other uh, initiatives. There have been some efforts in Colorado after the fact to allow that, and uh, I think it's important that it's in the initiative because uh, you kind of preempt any uh, kind of indoor smoking laws uh, in that way by explicitly uh, allowing that use. and And we're uh, we're really excited about the fact that there are hopefully going to be some some cannabis lounges, and they won't have to operate in the underground cannabis lounge market that kind mm-hmm. of exists in Colorado. And it's just I I heard a, a great analogy about on-site consumption. I don't remember it but if you think about it we're, we're regulating this substance but when uh, for example a someone from another state goes to Colorado they can go into the dispensary and, and now they can actually buy uh, the same amount as a right. as a resident full ounce a full ounce and then they have nowhere to consume that ounce they yeah. have nowhere to prepare that ounce to be consumed so so people are, uh, and this is obviously overblown by the media, there are not people running around Colorado just, you know, consuming cannabis everywhere. It's not overrun. But the people have, have nowhere to do it, and then people complain that they do it on the street or they do it in a park or they consume in a place that they shouldn't have been or they consume it at a hotel and they get charged a fine for that. So we're just perpetuating the stigma of the cannabis user. Well, okay, we'll give you your cannabis to consume and you know we're, we passed a law that says it's safe and we're going to allow this type of consumption in our state, but there's nowhere that uh, you can do it. So <laughs> hopefully uh, that will not be the case in Boston uh, or in Massachusetts and uh, Boston and uh, and and you can really see. Uh, I think one thing that uh, the type of on-site consumption uh, encourages is the type of community that you see at uh, within the cannabis uh, community. I've known you for a number of years, and you know you you have this type of community where you're uh, collaborating with like-minded people to uh, accomplish social change. And we've made the joke earlier that I, uh, you know, you see a lot of criminal defense attorneys and, yeah. and now there are all kinds of lawyers. But uh, I find the, the most refreshing thing about the cannabis industry is I find that I'm able to affect more social change in the industry and working with regulated businesses than I was as a criminal defense attorney in right. the system because you're just a cog in the system in that sense. And of course, uh, you know, we, we need zealous advocates and I have, you know, more respect for those zealous advocates than, than many other attorneys. But it's uh, really interesting that the uh, movement has really sparked this change through social responsibility and social entrepreneurship. I, I don't really love that phrase, but it's a, it's a phrase that's used. You know, we are affecting social change through an industry. And uh, I know that uh, Steve D'Angelo mentioned that uh, a number of times in his, in his keynote address here earlier today. And it, it's true. And we're, uh, you know, 
changing people's minds kind of one at a time. That, that grassroots uh, education is, is something that uh, I think we have to really focus on in Massachusetts because you hear all these things about the marketplace and, and even, you know, people, I talk to people sometimes who don't even know that there are regulated businesses operating and we now have six businesses. There are going to be uh, a few more opening in the, the next couple months and then as we, uh, we phase in the, the new provisional licensees, there will be just continuously open and hopefully that has the, the type of uh, normalization uh, effect that we really hope for and that uh, democracy and uh, laws are supposed to do. Well, you know, when you pass a law on an issue like this, it's supposed to change things. That's, in fact, the very point. Exactly. Charles Smith from the law offices of Charles Smith. Uh, are there uh, contacts you can give out for people that want to get in touch with you there in Massachusetts? Yeah, the, the best way to reach me is uh, charles at 5280canna.com, C-A-N-N-A. Uh, that's uh, a little shout-out to Denver as the, uh, you know, the first uh, regulated state in, uh, in Colorado, only by a little bit of time, the people that's in right. Washington will tell you. But. That's right. <laughs> thanks, thanks again, Russ. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to... To see you, and uh, you know, we uh, we as advocates really uh, always appreciate your efforts out here, getting the word out to the masses. Oh, my pleasure doing it. All right, folks, stay tuned. We'll be back with more here from Oakland in just a moment. Thank you for listening to this edition of Grassroots Marketing on location, only on CannabisRadio.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.